Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Let me pose a rather strange question to you. We know that Jewish prayers are very complicated. We know that they raise theological and philosophical issues which our rabbis struggled with, wrestled with, in the similar way as they wrestled with words of Torah. The prayers are supposed to express our spiritual yearnings, but they also bring to mind many complicated issues, many questions. And we also know that the text of prayers has been changed in many cases over the centuries to respond to some of the questions that, are, that, that the original text of the prayer might have raised. So here's my question this morning. What is, among all of the prayers of the Shabbat morning service, the simplest prayer that we say? What is the most straightforward prayer that's part of the Shabbat morning service? The one that you would imagine there's no wrestling with, there's no struggling with, it is what it is, and it's just as simple as it seems. Well, you might answer that in different ways, but I'd like to give you my answer to it. It's a prayer that goes like this. Ein kelloheinu, ein kadoneinu, ein kemalkeinu, ein kemoshienu. You might know another tune, but we all know that's the standard tune that's been sung for so many decades, perhaps centuries. Ein kelloheinu. There is none like our God. Ein kadoneinu. There is none like our Lord. Ein kemalkeinu. There is none like our ruler. There is none like our Savior, our Redeemer. Then the second verse, Who could compare to our God? Who could compare to our Lord? Who could compare to our ruler? Who could compare to our Redeemer? And then those same four descriptions of God in the same pattern follow in the next three verses, the first one beginning with no death, let us give thanks to our God, our Lord, our ruler, our deliverer. Baruch Eloheinu, blessed be our God, our Lord, our ruler, our savior, our redeemer. Atahu Eloheinu, you are our God, our Lord, our ruler, our redeemer. What could be more, more simple? What could be simpler than that? It's straightforward. But actually, there is an issue that our rabbis struggled with a bit relating to this prayer. And that's found in the fact that if you look at the prayer the way it stands, it almost sounds like it's a prophetic uh, statement that preceded for centuries the game show Jeopardy. Because the answer comes before the question. Ein Kelohenu. There is none like our God. Ein kadonenu, there is none like our Lord. And then the second phrase is, who is like our God? Who is like our Lord? Or who can be like our God? Who can be like our, our Lord? Why does the answer come before the question? Why do we say there is none and then say who is like? It should be the other way around. It should be, who is like our Lord? There is none like our Lord, and we go on from there. And in fact, 
The evidence is that that's the way the prayer was originally written. In what is known as Sidor Rav Amram, from 9th century, we have the prayer written as Michalohenu, and then the second verse is Enkelohenu. But by the time Rashi comes along, a few hundred years later, in his prayer book, and I'm not saying that he instituted this, it this way, it might have come before that, but his prayer has the way we have it, Ein Kelohenu, Ein Kadonenu, with the answer coming before the question. So, the question is, why was it changed? Why do we give the answer before we give the question? And there really is a reason for it. And for this, if you have a Sidur near and you can open up to Ein Kelohenu, or if you can follow my description without looking at the Sidur, you'll notice that there's something very curious about the first letter of the first three verses of Ein Kelohenu, the way we have it. The first verse begins with an Aleph, Ein Kelohenu. The second with a Mem, Mi Kelohenu. The third with a Nun, No De Lelohenu. Aleph, Mem, Nun, which spells, of course, Amen. The answer to a blessing. Why is that important? Well, if you look at the next word, the first word of the fourth verse, you have Baruch. And then the first word of the fifth verse is Ata. Those are the begin that's the words, of course, for the beginning of a blessing. Baruch Ata. So we have Amen as the acrostic of the first three verses, and Baruch Ata as the first words of the fourth and fifth verses. You might say, so what? Well, here's what Rashi has to say about it, and another commentaries say something very similar. On weekdays, when we say the Amidah, the standing prayer that's the focus, that's the focal point of every service, there are 19 blessings that are part of this Amidah. Three at the beginning, which are praise of God and connection with our ancestors. Three at the end, which express thanks to God and a prayer for peace. And those two sections are largely the same. There are some variations depending on the time of year or time of day, but in general, they are exactly the same. No matter what day of the year we say them. And we say, even on Shabbat and on holidays, those first three and last three blessings as part of every Amidah, as part of every standing silent prayer. But in the weekday Sidor, there are 19 blessings total. Three, those three at the beginning, three at the end, and then 13 in the middle, which are bakashot, which are petitions, in which we ask God to bless us with wisdom, to give, to give it be a good year for crops, to give us healing, etc., etc. Those 13 blessings are called bakashot, but they are not said on Shabbat or on holidays. The idea was we don't want to nudge God with, with all these uh, specific requests on Shabbat or on holidays. We give God a little bit of a rest. And because on the Shabbat and the holidays, we're, we're supposed to concentrate on how complete our lives are, having, we assume, already been blessed with some of these things. But most of all, it's because we don't want to be a nudge to God on those days. So the 13 petitions are replaced by one blessing that has to do with the 
holiday or Shabbat that we're talking about. By the way, when I use the word blessing, I have to point out the fact that it's not just the one line of the blessing, but there's a whole prayer built around it that leads up to that one line of the prayer. And on Shabbat and on holidays, well, on Shabbat, it's Baruch HaTadonai Mekadesha Shabbat. Blessed are you, O God, who sanctifies the Shabbat. That's the blessing that's said in place of those 13 bakasho, 13 petitions. What does that have to do with Enkeloheinu? Well, according to many of the rabbis, the reason we say Enkeloheinu is because in the first three paragraphs, there are 12 statements of praise of God. And since we follow those with Baruch Atah, the rabbis assume these were in fact 12 blessings. If you add three and three, three at the beginning of the Amidah, three at the end, the one blessing for Shabbat of the holidays, that's seven, then add the 12 blessings of En Kelohenu and you end up with 19, which is the same number of blessings we say during the weekday Amidah. And the idea was, first of all, there was a rabbinic tradition that we should say 100 blessings every day. It becomes hard to do if you lose those 12 and you lose the 13 and replace them with only one. So this gives, make, gives, brings us closer to the number of 100. But even more than that, why would we say less blessings to God on a holiday or on Shabbat than we would, would on a weekday? So by adding Ein Kelohenu, we in fact are adding those 12 blessings to equal, at the very least, the blessings that we say over the, uh, the, the day. Now, why don't we add, why don't we say then there are um, uh, 20 blessings as opposed to 12? Why do we do with the last two? Well, the last two, according to the rabbis, are the signal that the first 12 are a blessing because we say Baruch and then Atah. But if you want, you could even say there are 20 blessings and that makes the Shabbat or holiday even more of a, an expression of praise than the weekday. Whatever way you want to do it, the words were switched around in the first two verses so that we would have an acrostic of Amen, Baruch, Atah, which reminds us that this is really a form of a blessing. Now, my question is, why didn't they move Baruch, Atah to the top and Amen to the bottom? I'm not going to get into that. That's for somebody else to struggle with. But the point is that even a prayer as simple as Ein Kelohenu, even a prayer that seems to be just like a child like him to God really has a background of rabbinic tradition in which the text was amended and a tradition was introduced as to why it appears at the end of the morning service on Shabbat and the holidays to provide us more of an opportunity to praise God and to show us that a Shabbat or a holiday we have the same obligation to praise God and the same opportunity to say blessings as we do on a weekday. Just another evidence that even the simplest Jewish prayer has a lot behind it in terms of history and in terms of theology. And until next time, thank you.